Make every place that we're meeting today, whether it's in a living room, whether it's in a vehicle, whether it's on a back porch somewhere, no matter where they may be, create a sanctuary right where they are. And, and Lord, permeate, permeate their place with your presence. And God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I pray all of God's children out there that are watching you say amen right there. Now here we're looking, and, and, and let's just do like a little brief review just for a second. We have been, we have been talking about Philippians chapter number four for about three weeks now. And, and we, let's, let's just rem, remind ourselves what's happening and what's going on here. Uh, the Philippian church is needing an encouragement from Paul, and Paul is incarcerated at the time. He is chained to a Roman soldier, and he is in a place of difficulty, a place of stress, if you will. But yet he's writing to the Philippian church, and he's telling them, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In other words, no matter what your situation is, rejoice in the Lord. You may not can rejoice in the circumstances you're in, but you can rejoice that the Lord is in it with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, rejoice in the Lord. Then he said, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but take all of your, uh, all of your anxieties all of your fears, all of your needs, all of your burdens, take it to him. It says, bring your request to him. Bring it to him. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He said, if you will bring your burdens and bring your request to him, that the peace of God would guard and keep your hearts and minds what you're thinking, your thought process, your feelings, your emotions, God will wrap his peace around you. Man, what a blessing that is. But then, but then we see today, he's going to talk about a word that is critically important for us today. And, and this is not, I, I'm going to just, I'm just, just be front, just be, just be frank with you and upfront with you. Uh, this is not going to be fun to hear. Uh, this is, this is probably uh, going to be the message that, that, that is going to be the least received, uh, but it is going to be the most important message out of all three. Yes, God wants to motivate us. As, as the first message we said, he gave us, he gave us resources so we, we, we can rejoice in the crisis. And, and he did give us promises to, to be able to not worry and have confidence in him. But there is a word that we're going to look at today, a, a, a critical word, an important word, and something we have to have. If we get this, ladies and gentlemen, it may not be fun to hear and it may not be uh, a real exciting topic in the beginning, but if we can get it, if we can learn it, if we can practice it, it will produce the joy that we're looking for. It will produce the peace that we're looking for. It will produce the happiness that we're looking for, even in the midst of a crisis, even in the midst of a pandemic. If we can get this, get it, I mean really get it. Not, now, now, I've preached on this subject several times and in, in many different ways, but there is a difference in preaching on a subject and then preaching on a subject when you desperately need it. And right now, we desperately need what we're fixing to talk about. And that's this, contentment. Contentment. In all of this chapter and all of the things he has said, he finishes it up with the subject of contentment. Now, here's, what, here's what's going on. <clears throat> Paul has received an offering 
from the Philippian church. Uh, There had been a space of time that had gone by when they were not able to communicate with him and not able to help him or send an offering. And and finally, they have have located him. Finally, they have been able to, to send a blessing and an offering to him to help him. And he is thanking them for that. He is, he is giving them uh, uh, thanksgiving and appreciation, showing his appreciation of them for the offering they have sent. But he wants them to understand. He wants them to understand. He says, now I'm, I'm thankful for what you've done. It is such a great blessing to me. But he says, I don't want you to think I don't want you to think that I haven't been fulfilled. I don't want you to think that I've been struggling. I, I don't want you to think that, that I, have, I have been in a bad way because you haven't communicated. And then he begins to tell why. So that's what we want to look at today. Now, let's, let's go back to the verse. It says in Philippians chapter number four, he says this in verse 11. Let's look in verse 11. He says, not that I, res- I speak in respect of want. In other words, not and want there means to lack. Or to be without. He says, I'm not speaking out of a, a situation where I have lacked or I've done without. He says this, for I have learned, very key word, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be, what's that word? I hope you're watching at home. What's that word? Content. Say it again. Content. Everybody, wherever you're at, living room, wherever you're at, say it with me. Content. He says, I've learned to be content. How is he able to rejoice in the Lord always? How is he able to be careful for nothing or not worry about anything? Because he's learned the secret of contentment. Now, what does content mean? Here's Webster's 1828 dictionary. Content. It means literally held, contained within limits. Watch this. Hence, quiet, not disturbed, having a mind at Peace, easy, watch this, satisfied, so as not to repine, object, or oppose. Did you get that? Not disturbed, having a mind at peace, satisfied, so as not to repine, object, or oppose. Are you you hearing that? He is saying, I am at a place in my life where I'm satisfied. I'm at a mind of peace. Everything is all right. Now, now, some of us will say that and use that terminology if all the bills are paid, if everybody's happy with us, if everybody's well and not sick, if everything's going our way, if we're getting to do what we want to do, we will say, we're satisfied. We're, our mind is at peace. I'm not going to repine. I'm not going to oppose. I'm, in other words, in other words, that's fancy words for saying, I'm not going to whine about my life. Well, guess what? According to social media, there's a lot of people that's not content right now because there's a whole lot of whining going on and there's a whole lot of complaining. And uh, listen, he is saying, I am good. I'm good. Now keep in mind, He's chained to a Roman soldier. Keep in mind, he can't go anywhere that he wants to go. Uh, he is quarantined. He is, he is put in a place where he, he cannot do what he wants to do. He cannot go where he wants to go. He is limited. He is kept in place. And But you know what he's saying? I'm good. I'm good. I've learned that no matter what state I am, to be content. To be content. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, we need to work on that. 
We need to work on that. Now, let's let's talk about that a minute. Let's let's just I, I read <clears throat> I read some things about contentment. This is a little story that was kind of humorous. I think we need a little humor this morning. Uh, the, the, the man says, I'm reminded. I'm reminded of the simple living Quaker who was watching his new neighbor move in with all the furnishings and expensive toys that successful people collect. And the Quaker family went over to his new neighbor and said, neighbor, if ever thou dost need anything, come to see me and I will tell thee how to get along without it. Did y'all catch that? Did you catch that? He said, I'll teach you how to get along without it. If you ever come across something that you don't have, I will teach you how to get along without it. Henry David Thoreau, the naturalist of the 1800s, this is what he said. He reminded us that a man is wealthy in proportion to the number of things he can afford to do without. A man is wealthy in proportion to the the amount of things and the number of things he can do without. Ron Blue, a financial advisor, Ron Blue said he visited a rural village in Africa. He asked one of the villagers, what's the biggest problem in your village? What's the biggest problem in your village? He fully expected to hear about a food shortage or a lack of medical supplies. He was not prepared for the response he received. You know what the man said? When he said, what is your greatest need? What is the greatest problem here in this village? He said, materialism. Are you, are you with me? Not in America, not in a big city, but in a village in Africa. He said, the biggest problem we have is materialism. He said, if a man had a mud hut, he wanted one of stone. If he has a thatch roof, he wants a tin roof. If he has one acre, he wants two. You know what that means? That means we're never satisfied. We have a problem with contentment. And it doesn't matter whether you're in Atlanta or whether you're in Africa. It doesn't matter whether you're in Birmingham or, or listen, in, 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 in the, the, the small villages in South America, we have an issue. We have an issue with contentment. Now, here, here's, here's what I want to share with you. Before we go into the outline, and we got a lot of stuff, so I got to go fast with this. Uh, but, but you got to understand the contentment <clears throat> is not natural. All right, so, so just, just keep that in your head. Contentment is not natural. It is not something we arrive in this world with. We don't automatically have contentment. Contentment is not natural. You, 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 you want proof? Look at a child. Look at a baby. Look at a toddler. You can put a toddler, a couple toddlers in a room and give this toddler over here 12 toys. And do you know what toy he wants? The one toy this other toddler has. He wants what he doesn't have. Never satisfied. God says something about this in the book of James. He says, James chapter number four. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Where do wars come from? Where do fightings and arguments come from? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. In other words, you desire, you want, you want, you want and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Never satisfied. Wars, fightings come from that insatiable appetite that cannot be satisfied. We want and we won't. We buy and we get and we receive and we're still not happy. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty: Hell and destruction. Watch this now. 
Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. What does that mean? What does that mean? We all struggle. We all struggle with this thing called contentment and being content. But if we can learn it, if we can learn it, Paul said, I have learned. And this is so important. If we can learn it, do you realize that we can we can be prosperous in a pandemic? Do you realize that we can we can be wealthy no matter what state we're in? We can have blessings in our life if we will learn contentment. You know what Paul told Timothy? He said, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, here's, here's just four things. I want, to share, I want to share several things with you. But he, he, here's what I want you to see. Number one, if, if we're going to look at contentment and really understand the truth of it, first you've got to see the scope of contentment. The scope of contentment. What should I be satisfied with? What should I be fulfilled with? What should I be content with? Paul says it. Look what he says. Look in in, in this verse. He says in verse number 11. Verse number 11. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He said, I know, I know how both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, what areas, what areas should I be content with? First, if you're writing this down, write this down. I should be content in my provided supply. I should be content in my provided supply. Now, what does that mean? It's my stuff. It's my stuff. I should be satisfied. I should be fulfilled. Now, did you see what I put before that? Provided. Whatever God has chosen to give to me, I should be fulfilled with that. Whatever wife God has given me, whatever family God has given me, whatever house God has given me, whatever vehicle God has given me, whatever whatever resources God has, has given me. Listen, I should be fulfilled and content and satisfied and not, listen, not whine about it. I should be content. Paul is saying when I had stuff, I was happy. When I didn't have stuff, I was happy. I was content. I was fulfilled. I was satisfied. And you know, let's, let's look what he says to Timothy. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. And watch, having food. Watch this. Having food and raiment. Let us be there with content. Wow. What is he saying? Hold on to your hats. He's saying if you had a biscuit and you had a shirt on your back, everything else is icing on the cake. If you had something to eat and you have raiment, clothes on your back, then everything else in your life is a blessing. Everything else in your life is icing on the cake. Did you get that? He told Timothy, he said, if you have something to eat, if you have clothes on your back, 
He said, you need to be content with that. You need to be satisfied with that. You need to be fulfilled with that. You need to be complete with that. You know what Jesus said to ask for? You know what Jesus said to ask for in his prayer? He said, give us this day our daily bread. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Now look. Now look what else we have. In Hebrews chapter number 13 verse 5, it says, let your conversation be without covetousness. In other words, conversation means behavior. In other words, our behavior in life should not be always wanting something else. Always wanting what somebody else has. It says, but be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said, don't live your life coveting everybody's stuff, everybody, what everybody else has. He said, but be content with such things as you have. Look what he says in Luke 12, 15. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Wow. Wow. Preacher, what what should I be satisfied with? I should be satisfied with my stuff. You know why everybody's afraid right now because of this economy? We're afraid we're going to lose our stuff. You know, I'm afraid that there has been uh, the line between our needs and our wants have been terribly blurred in America. We have been spoiled so long and we have been blessed so long and and God has been so good to us for so long that we have mixed our needs and our wants and we can't even tell the difference. What happens when when stuff begins to be taken away from us? Sports, hobbies, all these other areas of our life that's really really blessings and not needs. And, And man, we go to whining and we go to complaining and we go to posting about this and posting about that. And, and, and God's sitting up there shaking his head when he tells us if we have food and raiment, we should be happy. We should be satisfied. We should be content. Listen, everything else, everything else is icing on the cake. Do you, do you, do you understand the difference between a need and a want? God shall supply all our what? Need according to his riches and glory. You know what? Really, according to these verses, the only thing we really need is food and raiment. Food and raiment. And, and my, has, has God blessed us with that? And God provided for that. You know what? I think about the Great Depression and I think about the, 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 the World War II and, the, and those things that where people truly had to sacrifice and suffer through things. You know what I'm seeing posting on social media and I'm struggling with this too? Gaining weight. Man, I'm wanting to eat everything in the house in this quarantine situation. My, what a terrible problem we have. We're not going hungry. No, we're not going, you don't see anybody in soup lines. It may come to that. It may very well come to that. But I promise you this, right now, God is blessing us even in the pandemic. If you had food on your plate, if you had something to eat, if you had somewhere to lay your head down, if you have clothes on your back, God's been good to you. He's been good to you. Paul is saying, be satisfied with your stuff. Well, I don't have as much stuff as that. Hey, hey, you see, you're, you're missing it. You're missing it. Food and raiment. Therewith to be content. See, the scope of my contentment should be my stuff. 
my provided supply, what God has given me. But watch this. He says something else. Not only my provided supply, but he says my present state. He says in verse number 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever, watch this, whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now that's not, that's not just talking about stuff. That means whatever condition of life you find yourself in. Now, Paul, at this particular time, he's, in, he's incarcerated. He's incarcerated. He is chained to a Roman soldier. But you know what he says? I'm good. I'm just as, I'm just as fulfilled right now. I'm just as satisfied right now. I'm just as content right now. If I was on Mars Hill preaching the gospel or if I was in Thessalonica or if I was in Philippi or, or, or wherever I might be, I'm content in the state I am. Are you? Can you say whatever condition life brings you, whatever, whatever cards you are dealt if, per se, uh, whatever condition you find yourself in, whatever situation. See, you could, have, you could have all the money in the world. You could have all the supply in the world, but be in a state of depression. You see, all those things doesn't, doesn't give you peace and doesn't give you happiness and doesn't give you joy. You want me to tell you the problem with us today? The problem in America today is we're trying to find peace, happiness, joy, and contentment in the things that cannot provide it. Money can't provide it. Relationships with people can't provide it. Power can't provide it. Prestige can't provide it. Uh, Hobbies and sports and all these other things, they can't provide it. They can't give you that fulfillment. They can't give you that peace. They can't give you that satisfaction. But yet we're looking for it in all the wrong places. Paul said, let me tell you something. You should be fulfilled in whatever stuff you have. You should be fulfilled and satisfied, and peace of mind, peace at mind in whatever condition you find yourself in, whatever state that you're in, if you're sick or if you're well, if you're good or if you're bad, if you're struggling or if you're prospering, no matter what state you're in, you should be content. Wow. Man, that's saying a lot. I told you you're not going to like this in the beginning. But guess what? I got good news for you. I know none of this comes natural. I know we're not automatically content with our stuff. I know we're not automatically content with the condition that we find ourselves in sometimes in life. The state we find ourselves in sometimes in life. But I promise you this, we can get there. Now watch what he says. Watch what he says. He says, I have learned. All right, say that with me. I have learned. Learned. Now watch these words. Watch these words. He says in verse 11, I have learned. I have learned. Verse 10 or verse 12. I know. That's knowledge. I have knowledge. I know both how to be a base and I know. That's knowledge again. Where do you get knowledge? By learning. Okay. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. Watch this. I am. What's that word? Instructed. So we have Learned, know, and instructed. What do all those things have have to do with? School. So that's number two. We see the scope of our contentment. The scope of our contentment. I should be content with my stuff. I I should be content with the state of life that I'm in. Whatever I find myself in, I should learn contentment. Now we see the school of contentment. How do we get there? 
how do we get to the place? How do we get to the place that we're happy whether they're eating bologna or filet mignon? How do, we, how do we get to the place where we're happy, whether we're, we're riding a, a, a rusted out uh, Volkswagen or if we're riding in a Mercedes Benz? How, how, can, we get, how can we find a place of contentment where we're, we're living in a, a mansion on the lake or whether we're living in a shack in a burrow somewhere? Or in a, in, listen, how do we get to that place? Well, we got to go to school. We got to go to school. Paul said he had to learn this stuff. He had to learn to be content. Guess what, guys? Guess what? We're in school. We're in school. Watch what he says. There's, there's, there's three things I want to share with you about this school. Three things I want to share with you about this school. I hope you're following. I hope you're paying attention. I hope you hadn't shut me down because this is important. First, I want you to see the school's teacher. All right? Write that down. If you're taking notes, write that down. The school's teacher. The school of contentment, I mean. The school of contentment. Look what he says in verse 12. I know both how to be abased, that means have nothing, be in a low place in life. And I know how to abound, that means have more than enough. Everywhere, look at that, everywhere and in all things I am instructed. Now what is he saying? He said, I've learned to be content and And the teacher that taught me contentment was my life experiences. He said, everything I've been through has taught me contentment. What is he saying? He said, the shipwrecks I was in, the times I was beaten with rods, the times that I would run out of town, the time that I was stoned and left for dead, the times that I went through suffering and difficulty, the times that I experienced hunger and thirst, the times that I was cold and didn't have enough clothing, the times that I had all that I needed and everything was going, every circumstance and experience in life were my teachers. Why is God letting us go through this? Why is God letting us experience a pandemic? Ladies and gentlemen, we are in school. God has taken away the things that we put before him. Let me say that again. God has taken away the things that we have made priority instead of him. He's taken sports away. He's taken hobbies away. He's taken taken so many things in our life that we thought were needs and we thought were necessities and we thought we just had to have them. Guess what? Guess what? We found out that they were not really needs. They were wants. And our experiences in life teach us. What are they teaching us? Well, I mean, I'll get to that in just a second. All right, I'll get to that. But your problems are teachers. Your experiences are teachers. Your times of difficulty are teachers. Your times of prosperity are teachers. And I'll get to that in just a second. Everything that we go through in life, everything that God allows in our life, are teaching us something. So we see the teaching in the teacher in the school. But then I want you to see, look, I want you to see the curriculum. Or you can put the word textbook, whatever you want to put. The curriculum in this school. What is it? The Bible. The Bible. What do we study in this school? The Bible. What do we learn in this school? The Bible. What does the Bible teach us? That we can trust in Him. What does the Bible teach us? That we should have Him as a priority. 
What does the Bible teach us? It teaches us in the book of Ecclesiastes, according to Solomon, that we cannot find fulfillment in the things of this world. We cannot find satisfaction in things of this world. Solomon went on a journey and said, I'm going to find fulfillment and satisfaction under the sun. That means without God. In other words, what this earth has to offer. And you know what he did? He experienced everything a man can experience. Wine, women, and song. I mean, he had relationship. He had, he, if there was to buy it, he bought it. If there was to do, he did it. He didn't hold back anything. And you know what he said? It's left me empty. He used the word vanity. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. I had everything this world has to offer and yet I'm still empty. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied. I'm not content. You know what? We've learned in the textbook, in the curriculum of contentment, we've learned that this world cannot bring contentment to our soul. No matter how much stuff we have, no matter what state of life we're in, it does not produce contentment. You see, we learn and we have our Bible to teach us these things, but yet we're not paying attention to it. We're not reading it. We're not studying it. We're not making it a priority in our life. And because of that, we're unfulfilled. Because of that, we're unsatisfied. Because of that, when a pandemic does hit, we're losing our minds. We're losing our minds and we're worried to death and we're fretting and we're, 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 we're in a place where we're wringing our hands. Why? Why? Where is your faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've neglected the word of God. Yes, we go to church, but do we pay attention? Yes, we go to church. Maybe we'll tune in if we have time. But are we truly paying attention, focusing and applying his word to our life? Well, if you're losing it right now, if you're in a place of worry and panic right now, I'm going to say you probably haven't been. You see, the word is our textbook. The experiences in life are our teacher. To teach us contentment. Now watch this. Look at, the, look at the third thing. This is where I want to get to. <clears throat> I want you to see this school's education. This school's education. In other words, what's going to come out of this? What, what comes out of our experiences in life? What's going to come and what should come at the end of this pandemic when all this is over with? I, 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 you know, somebody said something to me. <clears throat> And they said, I can't wait till this is all over and we get back to normal. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's half right. I can't wait till it's over. I can't wait till I'm looking at you eyeball to eyeball in here. And I wish you was here now. And I know that can't be, but I miss you guys horribly. Man, I can't wait for you to get back here. But I don't want things to go back to normal. I don't, I don't, when I say normal, I don't want it to go back to where it was. I want us to learn whatever it is that God is wanting us to learn in this deal. If we come out of this circumstance, if we come out of this pandemic the same as we went into it, then we've wasted our time. Let me show you what I mean. Let me show you what I mean. Look what Paul says. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8, watch this now. He said, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. That's his experiences. That's his testing, if you will. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant of the trouble we went through in Asia. That we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired. Even He said, we thought we was going to die. We didn't think we'd make it. We thought it was over. But watch what he says. He said, but 
He said we had this sentence of death in ourselves. Watch this. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. What do we need to learn out of this deal? Well, we need to learn that Jesus is enough. We need to learn that we're not going to be fulfilled in our stuff. We're not going to be fulfilled, completed, satisfied in our relationships and the people around us and and, 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 and our hobbies and and, 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 and our possessions and, and all these things we've been looking for fulfillment in. The only place we're going to find fulfillment is in Jesus. And sometimes I'm afraid that God will have to strip away all these other things so we could see that Jesus is enough. Because sometimes we don't see or know that Jesus is enough till He's all we got. But then when He's all we got, we learn. You hear me? We learn that He's all we need. Listen, there's a direct correlation. Now I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm just going to be frank and I'm going to just be just plain right here. In 2008, I believe it was in 2008, fellas help me with this, was that when the crash back then with the, with the, the real estate and all that bubble? Economy was terrible. Economy was terrible. 2008, gas prices were sky high. Guess what people went? Guess what people did? When everything was terrible, when everything was terrible, guess what people did? They went to church. Our, our numbers and our attendance Listen, all of that was up. All of that was higher than normal, higher than average when all hell was breaking loose in our country. You know what happened? You know what happened at 9-11 when everybody was scared and everybody needed God? They was in church. They went to church. People crowded the church. But guess what? Guess what? Do you realize what happened in the last couple of years? In the last couple of years, our economy is better than it's ever been. The stock market, everything was booming and blowing up. Just incredible. Listen, people had money. People had jobs. People had stuff. But watch this. People had time for everything else but God. It's amazing. We can track our attendance. When times are bad, church attendance up. When times are good, church attendance down. You know why? People had money to go to the beach. They had money to go everywhere else. They had money to do and to be and to have. And now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against any of that stuff. But when God, when God becomes less than a priority, when God becomes a spare time situation in your life, there is a problem. You see, it's not just the bad times that teaches us. It's not just the bad times where we learn. Yes, in the bad times, we learn that God will provide our need. In the bad times, we learn that we can trust God. In the bad times, we learn that God is a good God and He will supply all of our need. When everybody's lacking around us, God will provide. In the midst of a drought and a famine, God fed His man at the brook Cherith. Listen, in the, in the times of devastation around Egypt, God took care of His people. Man, in the bad times, we learn that God is good and God is powerful and He can meet our need and we can trust Him. But watch this. The times of goodness and the times of prosperity is just as much a test as the times of lack. You say, what do you mean? What do you mean? In the times of difficulty, in the times of 
of despair, in the times of hardship and heartache, we learn that we can trust God, that God will meet our needs. But guess what? In the times of prosperity, in the times of prosperity is when we learn to remember where it came from. To remember it was God that provided this. Well, preacher, where are you going with this? Here's what I want to say. Before the nation of Israel went into the promised land, y'all remember when God took the nation of Israel out of Egypt, they came through the wilderness, they're on the verge of going into the promised land. You know what God said? You know what his greatest reminder, you know what his greatest concern with the nation of Israel was? He said, when you go into this good and wonderful, blessed land, he said, I'm going to bless you like you've never been blessed. I'm going to give you favor like you've never had. And he said, when you get those houses you didn't build, when you get those vineyards you didn't plant, when you experience those wells that you didn't dig, when you experience the blessings and the wonder of God and his provision, beware, watch now, beware lest you forget God. He said, you're going to forget where it come from. You're going to forget the blessings You're going to forget, you're going to get so caught up in the blessings that you forget the blesser. You're going to to get so caught up in my favor and what I'm going to do for you. You're going to forget where it come from. Ladies and gentlemen, that, and that's exactly what happened, by the way. That's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. And ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what's happening in America. God has been so good to us. And you know what? We've put ball, we've put hobbies, we've been putting recreational activities, we put everything else before God. And now God has taken it away. You know why? Because when we went through that test, we failed. When God blessed us incredibly, when God poured His favor upon us, when God gave us and met all of our needs, not just our needs, but He met our wants also. He became, a, listen, he became less than a priority. Listen, I, I, listen don't, don't, don't get all defensive and don't bow up at me. You can go back and look at it. You can go back, we have it in black and white. When God is blessed incredibly, people put him second place. When God, listen, when things are tough and things are difficult and people need God, guess what? He goes back to the front of the line. Well, maybe it's, Maybe God's tired of being second fiddle in your life. Maybe God's tired of being second place in your life. Maybe God is bringing experiences in our life where we will have to go find Him. We will have to seek Him. We need Him desperately. Oh, preacher, what are, what are all these things happening? They're experiences. And those experiences are our teacher. You know what they're going to teach us? That He's enough. That He can supply our need. He can provide what we need. And I don't want God to take us out of this predicament till we learn. We have to keep Him first. I hate even saying that. But I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid that God's people are going to forget again. After 9-11, everybody's saying, we'll never forget, we'll never forget. But guess what? We did. After the crash of 2008 when, when everything went south and oh, we crammed the churches. We need God to pay our bills. We need God to give us jobs again. We need God to touch our finances. Oh, God help us. And you know what? He did. And we forgot. 
we forgot. We got so caught up in the blessings that we left behind the blesser. Boy, I hope that changes. I hope if anything, if anything comes out of this pandemic, that it will bring God's people back to him and that God's people will put him first in their life again. You see, the school of contentment, God will take us through circumstances. God will take us through deep places. God will take us through dark places. God will take us through places where we don't think we're going to make it like Paul says, but it's to teach us that we can trust in him, that we can trust in him. Listen, number three, not only do we see the, the scope, what we should be content in. Number two, the school of contentment. How do we get to that place? It's through our circumstances, through our trials, through our difficulties, through our heartaches. God is teaching us that we can trust in him. Number three, I said four, but there's only three. I want you to see the source of contentment. If we've learned that money is not the source of contentment, power is not the source of contentment, Fame is not the source of contentment. There's been very, very powerful, rich, famous people that committed suicide because they were unfulfilled. Relationships. There's been people who've who've had relationships with many other people, but yet they're not fulfilled. Wilt Chamberlain said he slept with over a thousand women and he would give all of them up for one that he knew loved him. Isn't that something? You know what he was saying? Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It did not fulfill my need. It did not satisfy me. It did not give me a mind at peace. Listen, not relationships, not any. Well, what, where do we find fulfillment? How do we get this fulfillment? First, A, if you're taking notes, this is the source. We find fulfillment by finding the presence of God. Write that down. We find contentment and fulfillment By finding the presence of God. Let me go back to Hebrews 13, 5. Watch what he says. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Remember, conversation is behavior. Don't behave in a way in life that you're constantly wanting something else. You're constantly wanting a bigger whatever, bigger, better, better. Listen, bigger house, better car, uh, different spouse, whatever it may be. Constantly living in a a, a life of always wanting something else. Watch what he says. He said, let not, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content. Be fulfilled, be satisfied with such things as you have. For, watch watch what reason he gives. For he has said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Mm. Mm. Let me let me let me describe it this way. There is a hole in everybody's soul. There is a vacant spot that fits only God. In other words, God is the only one that can fill that void. 
Yet we try to fill it with alcohol. We try to fill it with drugs. We try to fill it with immorality. We try to fill it with relationship. We try to fill it, <coughs> excuse me, with power. We try to fill it with, with money. We try to fill it with hobbies. We try to fill it with possessions and all of these things. You know why? Because the, the marketing system in America says, if you will buy this, it will bring happiness. If you will have this, you will have joy. Just like, what do they, what do they call the kids meal? A happy meal. Listen, the only thing that makes a happy meal or the only people that makes a happy meal makes happy is McDonald's because they're making millions off of it. But they're saying you have to have this to be happy. And guess what? You get it and it goes away. You buy it and it gets old. That new car with that new smell. Guess what? That first payment comes around. You're thinking, oh, what have I done? All things deteriorate in this world. Everything in this world is cursed and dying. And the only thing that's going to fill that that void is God. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What does that mean? That means somebody in a grass hut in the plains of Africa has the potential of being more fulfilled and more satisfied and more happy with God in their soul than somebody sitting in in a mansion on a beautiful lake with everything paid for. You see, it's not in the stuff. It's not in the state you're in. It's in the one you have, in the presence you're living in. You know what Moses said? This is amazing. This is, please get this. God promised Moses to take him to the promised land. He promised him a land of milk and honey, a land of incredible blessings and greatness and favor. But there came a place and a time, and I don't have time to go into it all, but, but there came a, 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 a situation where God said, okay, I'm going to send you, I'm going to let you go, but I'm not going. And you know what Moses said? Well, if you don't go, we don't want to go. What? what? You can have the favor. You can have the, 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 the land of milk and honey. You can have all of the... He said, but you know what? None of that matters if he don't go with us. His presence is more important than the prosperity on the other side. His presence. Why? Because the Bible says in thy presence is fullness of joy. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have his presence, I don't care what you're driving. I don't care what you're living in. I don't care what's set on your table. None of that's going to fulfill you. None of that's going to satisfy you. None of that's going to bring you a feeling of contentment like his presence. We must find his presence. We must live in his presence. What did he say in John 15? Abide in me. Abide in me and ye shall bear much fruit. Walk with him. Talk with him. Listen, fellowship with him. Read your Bible and get into his word. Get closer to him. Have a relationship. Pray. Spend time in his presence. The only way you're going to find true contentment, especially in the pandemic, is to be in his presence. Because no matter what's going on around you, if you're in his presence, you're going to be good. Listen, lastly, write this down and we'll we'll, we'll pray. The source of contentment is is finding the presence of God. He said, be content with what you have because I'll never leave thee nor forsake. You know what he's saying by that? My presence is more important than the stuff you may lose. Finding the presence of God. Then, Then write this down. Lastly, lastly, the source of my contentment is not only his presence. But then, listen, fulfilling the purpose of God. Fulfilling the purpose of God. There's a lot of stuff I like to do. There is. I like coon hunting. I like golfing. I like fishing. 
I like, I like all kind of stuff. And I like stuff. Don't get me wrong. I like stuff just like everybody else does. But you know what? There's nothing in this world that completes me or fulfills me more than what I'm doing right now. Nothing brings me more joy. Nothing brings me more fulfillment. Nothing brings me more of a sense of satisfaction than accomplishing the perfect will of God for my life. Listen, let me read and we'll pray. He says this, Herein is my Father glorified, John 15. Herein, you see, you were put on this earth to fulfill and glorify God. That's our sole purpose in life, is to bring glory to God. He says, John 15, 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy, look at that, my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. In other words, in other words, if you will abide in him, that's in his presence. If you will bear fruit, that's your purpose. That's your purpose, to bear fruit and honor and obey God and do what he tells you to do. Ye shall have his joy, and he said your joy will be what? Full. That means, that means, have you ever been so happy you can't stand it no more? You, you, you've been so joyful that you couldn't stand any more joy? That's what he's saying. If you'll abide in his presence, if you will fulfill his purpose bearing fruit, then the Father will be glorified. And he said, the reason I'm telling you these things is I want to give you my joy, and I want your joy to be full and overflowing. Watch this. This is what Paul learned. This is what Paul learned. And please get this. This is worth summing it all up right here. <whistles> pay attention, pay attention. Pinch your neighbor. Hey, 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 wake up out there. Listen, this is, the, this is it right here. This is it right here. In the shipwrecks, in the beatings, in the imprisonments. He was in prison so many times. In all of his trials and all of his difficulties and all of his triumph and all of the blessings and all of the burdens. This is what Paul learned. You remember we went to school. This, this pandemic is a school. It's teaching us things. What did Paul learn? You want to have contentment? What if we lose everything? What if this economy goes in the tank, in the toilet, and we lose all our stuff? Can we do what, can we do what Job said and say, hey, the Lord gave it, and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I came into this world with nothing he said, naked came I into this world, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord took away. Blessed be the... Are you going to be able to do that? If we lose it all, will you still be content? Here's how. Here's how. Here's how to be good. Here's how to have peace. Here's how to be at ease, no matter what happens. Watch what Paul learned. Paul learned to make his life... Watch me. Listen up. Listen up. Paul learned to make his life be about Christ and not himself. Where do you get that? Philippians 1, 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. 
He said, whether I live or whether I die, for to me, watch this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What's he saying? Ladies and gentlemen, he's saying, I've made my life about Christ and not myself. Please listen to what I'm saying. If you live your life for yourself, if you are so consumed with your desires and your wants and, and all of these things and your dreams and your hopes, and if you, if you make your life about yourself, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you will make your life about Christ and live for Christ and make Him number one priority in your life, you'll be able to die like Paul and say, hey, if I live, it's all about Christ. If I die, I just get to go be with Him. You'll be able to be like Paul and say, even though I'm chained to a Roman soldier, even though I'm incarcerated and quarantined in my situation, I'm good. I'm content. I'm fulfilled. I found out it don't matter what state I'm in. It don't matter what condition I find myself in. It don't matter whether I'm preaching in the glory of God on Mars Hill or if I'm, I'm sitting in a dungeon with stripes on my back because I've been beaten unjustly. I can still give God the glory and praise him. By the way, he did. Y'all remember Philippians in the church of Philippi. The church of Philippi, book of Acts. He was beaten unjustly, sitting in prison, but at midnight, him and Silas, they prayed and sang praises to God. You see, all of his circumstances taught him he's good. If we make our life about Christ and not ourselves, we're going to make it. You want to get rich in this pandemic? Let me, let me read this statement. Y'all with me? Now, don't, 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 don't say I'm a prosperity preacher until you hear me out now. But do you want to prosper in this pandemic? You want to get rich? You want to be a rich, wealthy person in this pandemic? Watch this. Remember what Henry David Thoreau said? He said, a man is wealthy in proportion to the number of things he can afford to do without. A man is wealthy in proportion to the number of things he can afford to do without. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid. It's kind of like hide and seek. Ready or not, here it comes. We're fixing to learn what we can afford to do without. We're already, we're already there. We're already doing without a lot of stuff. You know what we found out? We're still okay. We're still okay. Those things that we thought was such a great and huge need in our life, we found out that it wasn't really a need. It was just simply a want. I want to encourage you today. Make your life about Christ. Center it on His will for your life. Spend time in His presence, not just at church, not just when we log on. Every day, spend time in His presence. Now, if you're here today and you're not saved, you can't do that. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you, you won't be able to spend time in His presence. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, you need Jesus. And I want to tell you how to meet Jesus. In Romans chapter number 3, verse, verse listen, uh, 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The word says there is none righteous, no, not one. If you're watching me today, guess what? 
whether you want to believe it or not, admit to it, you're a sinner. If you ever told one little white lie, you're a sinner. Now, you didn't tell that lie to become a sinner. You told that lie because you was a sinner. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of where we need to be. It says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what that means? Our sin has to be paid for. And it's paid for by death. It says in Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? He paid for your debt. He died so you didn't have to. In other words, He didn't die just die for you he died instead of you oh I want my debt paid I want my debt paid preacher how do I how do I get my debt paid he says in Romans 10 9 and 10 for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved he says this for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation if you will confess the Lord you will confess Jesus as your Lord if you will turn to him right now he will save you. All you got to do is ask. All you, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You ready to do that? You willing to do that? Are you willing to put Jesus first in your life now? You'll never find contentment without Him. You'll never find fulfillment without Him. You'll never find peace and happiness without Him. Preacher, I'm ready to trust Him today. Well, pray with me. Now, remember, this is not a formula. It's not a fancy prayer. It's what you're doing in your heart. What you're saying is you're, you're putting all of your faith, your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're believing that he died and rose again. You're believing that he'll save you if you ask him. By praying this prayer, that's what you're doing. If you're ready to pray, I want you to pray. Dear Lord, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. And the best I know how the best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me. The best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me. Come into my heart, be my Lord. The best I know how, I ask you to forgive me and to save me. Come into my heart and be my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I hope if you don't know him, you prayed that prayer today. And if you did pray that prayer, if you did pray that prayer, I want you to comment in the, in the, in the section, the comment section. I want you to let us know if you're watching by way of live stream, send us an email because we got stuff we want to send you. We've got a little booklet that says, now that I believe, what next? Because there's some next steps. Listen, you've put your faith, you've, you've trusted him for salvation today. What does he want you to do next? What does he want you to do next? Listen, you comment there saying, I prayed, I believe today, and we'll get in contact with you. We'll get in touch with you and send you that little booklet to help you. I hope everybody's doing well out there. I miss you. I miss you bad. But we're going to make it through this one day. One day, we're going to be in here celebrating. We're going to be in here rejoicing again. But I hope it's not without an education. I hope we don't go back to the norm. I hope we remember and realize that he should be first in our life. Nothing else before him. Nothing else. 
He is priority. He is number one. He is Lord in our life. Listen, don't forget Wednesday night. We'll be back Wednesday night, same place. We're in the book of